Well, if, if you were here last week, you might remember that this is January, and if it's January at Otter Creek, then it's time to listen to the elders for a while, at least for the month of January. Our teaching series this, um, this, this term, I'll use that term, is our 2029 vision. And last week we went through sort of where that vision came from, what our process was, why we were doing it, what our goals are. Uh, this week we want to continue that. And in particular this week, we want to focus on um, something that's really important to that vision. <clears throat> that's the history of this particular body, the history of Otter Creek, and its relationship with um, Scripture, our high regard for Scripture. Uh, the usual disclaimers, all of us are trying to use the same PowerPoint that none of us designed, so please forgive me if I stumble. We're also trying to make sure that we deliver the same message, and so we're following an outline that none of us designed. So forgive me again if I stumble. But certainly, you're welcome to ask questions. But the last disclaimer is, I may not be able to answer them yet, but please don't be afraid to ask questions. Because this is about us, and this is about you. Um, it's about all of us together, and, and about the exciting future that we think we're going to have over the next decade. Go ahead and come on in. There's a couple up here. There's, there's three up here. There's one over there by Kent. There's... Oh. You earned brownie points in heaven. There's a couple on the, on the edge here. All right. Well, let's start. Let's see where the, the slideshow takes us. Welcome in prayer. We did that. <laughs> this is really important. Where to find the vision? You may be curious now. We're not going to hand it out again like we did last week. But you can go to the website and you can read it on the app on your phone. And I think the next slide kind of walks you through that process. Right? You go to the website. You can click About Us. You click on the Vision 2029. It'll take you here. So you can click on, you can read that. <laughs> click on Choose More, Choose Resources, and the Choose 20, Vision 2029. And that will probably answer a lot of the questions that you would have about what are our specific objectives, what are our, what are our core beliefs, what was it that we talked about last week because I wasn't here, what are we going to talk about next week because I'd like to get a little heads up. You can go ahead and take a look. Um, and I would encourage you to go ahead and, and look through the entire um, the entire website, I mean not the web, well you can look at the entire website, but look at the entire package for Vision 2029. It's not a secret, right, and the more you know, the more sense we'll make next week probably when we do this again. Well, this is the objective of our classes. We want to share with you the vision for the next decade that we've come up with. And it just also happens to be that 2029 will be Otter Creek's 100th anniversary which is a great marketing thing. Um, but it also does give you pause to think that there's been a body of believers called the Otter Creek Church for a long time, longer than anybody in this congregation um, has been around, a lot longer. Uh, you're part of it now. We are all part of the story, and we all play parts of it. And part of our obligation, I think, is we'd like the, the story of this congregation to continue to be about a people growing together to be more like Jesus. That was last week. 
how this vision process started, what some of our core beliefs are. This week, we're going to talk about our history and appreciation of Scripture. And then the last two weeks, we'll continue to talk about other of our core values. And then finally, in week four, what we think the future might, hopefully, what we plan to try to accomplish in the future. In 2018, we commissioned some of you to help us think. In 2019, we listened to what you thought, and we crafted a vision statement. At the same time, the retirement of our debt created an interesting opportunity to spend money not on paying off debt, but directly for God's kingdom in other ways. And that helped us craft a vision with all of those things in mind that we're talking about today. Core beliefs was last week. Today, the Bible. More core values next week. And then the last one, or this one today, is also connected with the Bible. When we say historical identity, what we really mean is the question, so who are we? Who have we been? What does that have to do with who we are today? Because those questions will help us think about who we want to continue to be tomorrow. I guess that's the last part there. All right, this is our, what's a good word for this, Becky? Our motto, mission statement, <laughs> guiding principle. I mean, mission statement's okay. But, <laughs> but a different way to think about it, it it's, it's more than just a, a motto. It's more than just a mission statement. It's, it's a statement about who, not just who we are, but what we're trying to do in a really active sense. It's easy to kind of forget it, and it's easy to just throw it around because it's short and simple, and who wouldn't want to be like Jesus if they claim to be a Christian? But as all of us know, it can be really difficult sometimes to know what that's going to look like. But that's what guides us. That's what we want to do and be. All right. One of our core beliefs at Otter Creek is what we believe about the Bible. We believe it's inspired we believe that it's authoritative, and we believe that it's trustworthy. If you grew up in the churches of Christ, like I did, you remember this almost like a mission statement or a slogan. We speak where the Bible speaks, we're silent where the Bible is silent, or some version of that. That was a guiding principle. It's based on the fact that we have a very high regard for Scripture. We argue about Scripture a lot. Um, but we wouldn't argue about it if it didn't matter to us. And so Otter Creek has always been guided by that fundamental uh, regard for the Word of God in its literal form. It also links us with something called the Restoration Movement in American religious history. Um, uh, it begins probably in the early 19th century in particular and gains a lot of steam in the middle of that century. Um, that's part of our heritage. It's external to the Bible, but it's part of our particular um, 
branches history. It's part of who we have been. This slogan has a lot to do with how we have treated the Bible, how, he, how we have made decisions about how we choose to worship and live and practice. Um, and we're not, we haven't left that. We hope and pray that that will always be a part of our identity. Now, it's interesting and difficult sometimes because as we all know, the Bible, while it is God-breathed, it's also a document that has a history in human time. It's revelatory. It's the true story of God at work. We believe that the Bible is the inspired Word of God. The elders want you to hear us as elders, as shepherds, say that to you because we believe it and we want to behave that way, although it's complicated sometimes. We also recognize that the Word of God itself, as it takes its form in the Bible, is complicated sometimes by the fact that in its history it was written by lots of different people in lots of different countries in three different languages, all of them ancient, none of them spoken by a living person today, none of which left us a dictionary to help us out. It's a document that also contains within it different kinds of literature. It contains narrative, it contains poetry, it contains proverbs, wisdom literature, it contains epistles, letters. It contains apocalyptic prophecy. Think about the book of Revelation and every Sunday school class you've had on that one. And it contains liner notes for songs to God, lyrics, poetry. It's a complicated book. It's a complex book. But we believe that it is also God's Word. To make it short, we revere Scripture because Jesus revered Scripture. If we want to be like Jesus, we have to have a high regard for Scripture because He did. If you remember Luke chapter 4, Jesus at church in synagogue unrolls the scroll. It's His job to read Scripture for the day. This is what He reads. And then he rolls up the scroll and gives it back to the scroll keeper. And he sat down. If you think reading scripture at Otter Creek on stage is tough, imagine what that must have been like. When what he read was about him. And everybody sort of started to realize that when he says this, the word of God has become flesh and is sitting right there in front of them. We believe the Bible is inspired. Now it's easy sometimes to worship the Bible itself and not the one it tells us about. So we don't believe that the Bible itself is to be worshipped. It is not the object of our faith. Rather, it's what brings us closer to God in the flesh. The Bible is what helps us understand the person of Christ. What He did, how He lived, how He died, how He rose, and how He lives today. We believe that it is inspired. 
We believe that the Bible is not only inspired, but it's also authoritative. In other words, you can't just read it for fun. What it says matters in how we live our lives. And it matters what it says determines what we should believe. It has provided an ethical framework across millennia for God's people. It helps us see the very broad, the very complex canvas upon which God paints. And we believe, because it's authoritative, that somehow we are also painted, being painted into that canvas at Otter Creek. The Word of God is alive and living. It's not just an old book that we read. Finally, we believe that the Bible is trustworthy. It's powerful. It's still interesting. It helps us see better. It helps us think better. It can help us live better if we continue to pay attention to it. All right, let me stop there. Questions? I apologize to this side. You're going to see most of my backside just because it's the way I've set things up. Not that that's very attractive, I know. Now, today I think should be a little bit more fun for most of us than last week. Because this one has actually like family, family pictures, family photographs. This part of what I'm going to talk about today is really the, the second part. It's our history. Now, we have more slides of Otter Creek history than we did for our high regard for Scripture. It's ironic, right? Because what we've just been through is really important. And, and we're going to, Art and I are, are happy to talk about that if, we have any, um, if you have any questions. But we also thought it was important to take the time for, for all of us to look at the family album, so to speak, about our congregation. I think it's kind of interesting in this particular demographic group. This is the 30-somethings. Right? And we're the ones, uh, I'll say we, <laughs> are the ones who, who are n relatively new on the Otter Creek scene. Right? How many of you actually worshipped at the old Otter Creek building? How many of you have never been inside that building? So this is, this is that bridge congregation. You're the new guys who don't remember that place, and some of us still sometimes accidentally drive to that place to go to church, even <laughs> 10 years later. But how did Otter Creek start? It started in 1929, 1929, the year of the Great Depression, that gives you a historical context. And it began when a couple, Henrietta and Gordon Campbell, um, decided to do something as faithful <coughs> believers. Gordon was a school bus driver for Nashville schools. There was no metro then, just schools. Um, Otter Creek, where they lived, that area of Middle Tennessee, was not part of a city. It was a rural location. That's why he had to drive the school bus to drive around and pick up the kids. But Henrietta, his wife, is the one who had the idea. Henrietta loved children. She understood that there was an emptiness, a void in this particular part of Middle Tennessee. 
There was no Sunday school readily available. And so she got the bright idea that, hey, we need to teach these kids about Jesus. And hey, entrepreneurially speaking, my husband's got a school bus. There's no school on Sunday. It's just sitting in the yard. Why don't you, Gordon, drive around the neighborhood, pick up the kids, and bring them to the house, and I'll do Sunday school. That's how Otter Creek started. It started um, with caring about the spiritual lives of children. It was an idea that came from a woman. It was an entrepreneurial kind of an idea. Let's do something different. You should use what we have to do something new. And I'm emphasizing those points because you're going to see today that, that those points are themes in most of the good work that Otter Creek has done over the last near century. That somebody has had a good idea and has decided that we're going to run with it in faith and it works out. That Sunday school soon attracted the parents of those kids to come together and worship at the same place at the same time. And Otter Creek, sometime in the 1940s, we're not sure exactly when, turned that house into a church. It was a rural church. It was a country church. And this is the whole congregation. How many of you know Ed Rucker? <laughs> That's little baby Ed. He probably wasn't a little baby, but it's in there. I think that's his mom, Joyce Rucker. We'll figure in our story a little bit later. But that's, a, that's a living, breathing connection with the early days of Otter Creek as a church. In the 1940s, as the church began to grow, they added sort of a portico, a foyer, and a steeple. The church continued to grow. In the 1950s, they moved to the old location, which for them was a new location. For us, it's the old location over on Otter Creek Road. You may remember the, the portico we wound up with over there. That Sunday school class included families with names like the Ruckers, the Gauls, the Brandons, the Armstrongs, the Wilsons, the Cullisons, the Justices. Some of those names might be familiar to you. For some of you, none of those names are familiar. But those names represent people who once, like you, were part of this body. And because of what they did, because of their high regard for Scripture, for their high regard for God's Word, because of their love for each other, and more importantly, their love for living out the mission God has given us. You get to go to the church they started. You get to participate in some of the things that they helped to bring to pass. In 1958, that group of people in that church 
pulled together about $52,000. Remember, that's in 1958 money. A little rural church. And helped to found Korean Christian University, which is still there today. That investment, in real estate terms, in Seoul, South Korea, the property itself is worth about a billion dollars. That, that university is still operating. And it's there today because some of you had an idea and brought it to the church's attention and made something happen. The 1960s, Otter Creek Kindergarten began, actually in 1960. Ruth Rucker, the woman holding Big Ed, um, believed strongly in education, started preschool, and we still have it today. I think something on the order of 6,000 children have come through Otter Creek Preschool to this point in time. Any of your kids? Do any of y'all have kids who go to the preschool? There you go. So what you should be seeing now is that Otter Creek started as a house church. And then it turned into a church church. And then it turned into a church that helped start universities in foreign countries. It's a missional church. But it's also a church that paid attention to where it was and started preschool. 1966, um, Howard Justice helped found Agape, one of the Otter Creek members. Agape was founded to help with the particular problem of children who needed families to belong to. And, more importantly, much riskier at this time, is a place for women who were unwed, who had children, who had difficulty figuring out how to support them. It became a resource for helping women in need, women and children in need. Agape now has several branches. I think there's one in Atlanta. Who's, who's more familiar with Agape than I am? I think they helped start, I was there for several years. Um, they helped start, I think, five. Memphis, Atlanta, one in Alabama, St. Louis area. All independent, autonomous, but they were the birth of all of us. So Agape was sort of born out of an idea that came from Otter Creek. This is where my memories of Otter Creek kick in. I was a student at Lipscomb in the mid-1970s, late 70s. Uh, what I remember about Otter Creek, the reason I came, well, one reason I came was they had an early church service on Sunday so I could beat the Baptists to Shoney for lunch. <laughs> so I would wake up early to come to Otter Creek, get church done with, and then head out. Um, that's how wise I was at 19. But another reason I came on Wednesday nights was Otter Creek was famous in those days for having a particularly good Song service. They liked to do singing nights. This is real old school. Um, but they sang songs at Otter Creek that other churches, other churches of Christ would never sing. And they sang them really well. And it was a really... It was one of those things that Otter Creek did. It set a standard for the role of music and worship um, that other, church, other, other congregations respected and eventually... Um, imitated. That's really where our passion for worship was born, I think, was in the 1970s, especially with Buddy Arnold. 
How many of you have heard the name Buddy Arnold at Otter Creek? How many of you knew Buddy Arnold? Right? You still know Buddy if you go to Otter Creek. You'll hear his name. If you like the music, Buddy's the one who started making music something we took very seriously at Otter Creek. And Ed Rucker, still here, still serves the church. In the 1980s, one of the things that Otter Creek belonged to was the beginnings of Room at the Inn. Uh, Room at the Inn was started by Father Charlie Strobel, downtown Nashville. He was eager to have other churches get on board. One of our members, a young woman named Deb Samuels, brought the idea to the elders at Otter Creek to the other members at Otter Creek and created an enthusiasm for getting involved in this project. And Otter Creek was one of the first four congregations in Nashville to get involved with Room at the Inn. I think it was the first Church of, Church of Christ to become involved in that mission. In the 1990s, a young member named Suzette Wimpy became familiar with uh, Made in the Streets and encouraged Otter Creek to take a look at it, think about getting involved. And we became the overseeing church for Made in the Streets in Nairobi, Kenya. Today, the board for Made in the Streets is still primarily Otter Creek members. How many of you, anybody, any of you been to Made in the Streets? Three or four? move into the 90s. In 1995, the Zoe Group began, which you may be familiar with. This sort of took Otter Creek's reputation for excellence in worship and brought it to other churches. Members of Otter Creek, after studying and thinking what they might do, put together Zoe. Doug and Nan Smith, who at that time were young adults, helped organize it and get it funded. And it became a ministry that was not only important for some churches of Christ, evangelical churches all over the country found the work of Zoe to be the kind of thing that could help them create impactful worship services all over the country. Zoe still operates today um, under somebody named Pete, uh, Peter Wilson. Is anybody in here involved in Zoe still? Another great thing in the 90s was the formation of the Wade Reed, Wade, Wayne Reed Christian Child Care Center. If you know Sandy Collins, she was instrumental in, and this was her idea. If we think that teaching children is so important down in South Nashville, at our preschool at Otter Creek, what about all those kids who live in the middle of Nashville, and those dark streets in the inner city, don't they deserve somebody to care about them and to teach them too? What if 
she said. We had an Otter Creek preschool, except instead of being at Otter Creek, it was downtown. That's where the Wayne Reed Center begins. It's named after Wayne Reed, a longtime member here, who helped get it off the ground. Now the 2000s. That's when y'all were in elementary school, is that right? <laughs> this year I discovered that my students were born the year I started teaching at Lipscomb. That just depresses me. <laughs> um, we had a member here, a young member, one of the 30-somethings. I think maybe he was a 20-something. Um, he was a wonderful guy. We had just moved to Nashville. He was a member at Otter Creek. He was the kind of young person that you thought, he's going to take over Otter Creek Camp. He loves it. Kids love him. He loves people. One of those wonderful young singles. And he gets a really bad diagnosis that he has a really bad cancer and decides he wants to do something with the short time he has left. And so he starts something called Living Water Project. And had managed to raise money and got a couple of wells built, dug, I guess, before he passed. And his friend group here at Otter Creek, people who loved him dearly and mourned his loss, decided they would like to honor his memory by digging another well somewhere. And then they decided, let's do another one after that. And let's do another one after that. And at this point, they've dug wells in for 500 different communities in 25 different countries. And it's one of the things that Otter Creek, it's just part of Otter Creek now, is that living water ministry. Two thousand six, big move. We wound up here in this place, um, and in one year, Otter Creek, the number of people come to the church jumped by twenty five percent. Here's the great irony, right? We were, I can, I can remember this. We were at Otter Creek. We had, we had to have two services. We, we had way too many people. We couldn't all fit in the sanctuary at one time, and so. Part of our dream was to find a facility where we could all worship as one big happy family at one place and at one time. And we thought we were going in one place, and then it turned out we weren't going there, and then we wound up here all of a sudden, and we came, and for about six months, we were all able to worship in one place at one time. And then we realized there's too many of us. We're going to have to go back to two services because we're too big. Twenty nineteen, we retired the debt. That's huge. We were um, going through an exercise at the elders' retreat last weekend, and one of the exercises was, "What is it that you never would have imagined in, in two thousand that's happened since then in twenty twenty?" One of the things some of us never imagined would happen in two thousand is that we would wind up eight million dollars in debt by about 2010. 
more miraculously that we would have paid it off by 2019. And that's where we are. That's also going to have a big impact on what we can do for God's kingdom. That's part of why this particular vision is so new for us. This is the first time in our history of a congregation, at least our recent history, where we haven't had to worry about paying the banks first before we began to do God's work. And that's kind of a different place to be for an institution as large as ours. Also worthy of note, Ed Rucker's still here and still serving. He's our link to the past. Okay, so that's the slides. Let's talk a little bit about today. Well, I guess I'm about time. Let me close by reminding you that there's one thing you didn't hear come out of my mouth today. You never heard me say, in such and such a year, the shepherds of Otter Creek came up with a brilliant idea and went to the congregation and said, so here's what we're going to do. What you heard instead was that somebody at Otter Creek that you probably never heard of that was by definition not a shepherd or an elder, and most often was a woman, brought an idea to the church that that the shepherds finally got on board with, and great things happened. When we look back at the history of Otter Creek as a congregation, part of who we are is a bottoms-up church. The good ideas at Otter Creek traditionally have come from you, not people like me and Art sitting in a dark room trying to look at the future. That's one of the things that has made Otter Creek a really special place. It's one of the things that's made Otter Creek a place that can do things that that we've never really thought about doing before in other churches. We've been able to reach out into our community. We've been able to reach out across the world with something like Made in the Streets and Living Water. We've been able to reach in with things like Made in the Streets and the way we Wayne Reed Child Care Center. Those ideas bubbled up from people living and worshiping together, having good ideas being entrepreneurial about it. And that's why we're sharing this vision with you, because you are the ones who are going to have the ideas that are going to matter the most going forward. This vision statement is not going to be a situation where we're going to stand up here and tell you what we've decided we think would be really cool, and now we're going to try to get you on board with it. If it sounds like that, don't give us any credit for those ideas. Because our best ideas didn't come from the eldership. They came from the people on the vision committee, people just like you. We wanted to go through the history of Otter Creek today for a couple of reasons. One is so that you can see that tradition, so that you can see that Otter Creek does listen to its members, to encourage you to keep talking to us, And also to remind you that you, I mean, you're sitting in this room. You are part of that story. We really hope you'll stay with us for as long as you can and help us keep writing our story. 
by joining one of our ministries, by inventing a new ministry for us, um, by being part of this body. Are there any questions? All right. Well, it's, it's time for us to stop. Kent, I'm going to call on you cold. Would you lead a prayer for us? Yeah. Close this out. Let's pray. Our Father, we are grateful for this history of Otter Creek and the power of the Scripture that allows us to come into this place and expect to come into the presence of a living God, the Creator of the universe. And our desire is to embody Jesus Christ to those around us in our community. And Father, we look forward with great anticipation for where you will take this congregation over the next 10 years, 20 years. And Father, may we not miss an opportunity that you and your spirit are putting in front of us. Help us to be in tune to that, to watch for it. And Father, may we embody your Son every day as we go out throughout our lives this week. And it's through your Holy Son that we pray. Amen. Thanks.